Welcome to today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light. Sun, Salt, and Light, S-O-N, knowing and growing in your daily relationship with Jesus Christ, but also being the salt and the light in your marriage, in your family, at your place of work, at your church, and even in the community you're in. I'm Pastor Michael Petit. This is a radio ministry of our church, Calvary Chapel Divine, here in Divine, Texas. We are so glad that you joined us for today's broadcast. We are a Calvary Chapel, so we simply teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We believe that God uses His Word to transform, restore, and to change lives one verse at a time. If you're visiting our area, you'd like to get information about our church or church service times, maybe even track down some of the other teachings that we have available through podcasts, whether it's through Audible or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can do all of that at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Today we'll be in the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. The title of this sermon is, That You May Know What Is the Hope to Which He Has Called You. Here is the second half and conclusion of this two-part study. Like he's guiding you to truth. He's directing you. Like he's trying to show you, but it's the it's your self-reliance that causes the issues. And I love that he says that the Spirit gives wisdom and revelation. I need all the wisdom I can get. I'm not a bright guy. I don't claim to be one. I hear pastors teach and I'm like, oh my gosh. Man, that's awesome. Like, that's not me. I, can't, I try to make it as simple as I can make it because I want everybody to understand it. Because I remember when I first came to faith that some of the stuff was going right over my head. I was like, but I love that he gives us the, the, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And it's Daniel chapter 2, verse 19, when Daniel is there trying to, you know, his, like, I'll find out, Nebuchadnezzar, what this dream is. Let me go to God. What this statue is. And, and Daniel prays. And Daniel was a man of prayer. In Daniel chapter 2, verse 19, it says, Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. It was revealed. He went to God and it was revealed. In Isaiah eleven two, 2, it says, The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of fear of the Lord. It's the spirit of wisdom and understanding. It's the spirit and the wisdom of revelation and the knowledge of him. Revelation, actually in the Greek, all it means is to take the lid off. To have something that's secret. And now the truth's been revealed. That's what the word means in the Greek. And in the knowledge of him, the revelation of him, of God. In Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, he says, He shall seduce with flattery those who violate the covenant. But the people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. Like, you have to understand, like, you have an audience with the God who's trying to show you revelation, trying to give you wisdom, and this is the same God who created everything. And he's wanting time with you to show you more. It's not about just raising your hand and, oh, I got my ticket to heaven. That's not how this works. What I mean by that is God wants to use you here. Your eternity starts here. The moment that you give your heart to Christ and you confess your sin, God wants to use you for the kingdom of God. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, it says, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you 
and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And he's not asking for you just to, to know it, but he's asking you for, to, to, to have the knowledge means to have literal, literal understanding of it. To have literal understanding. To actually be able to obtain it. Remember I told you all this past Wednesday night, it's, you can either do the performance thing, where you just show up and perform, or you can seek the presence of God in your life. Like, I want the presence of God in my life. I don't want to take a step without the presence of God in my life. You can perform. You can come here and, oh, hallelujah, praise God, man. Good to see you. Everything's good. And then you go home and it's a train wreck. That's a performance. You can perform in ministry. Oh, man, I'm here. I'm steady. I'm good to go. And then you're, you're a train wreck. It's like, no, I want to have the presence of God in my life. And that's what I want for you. I want you to know him but to know him intimately, intimately, like he wants to know you. And that's, that's important for us to understand. It's, it is sometimes, man, let me tell you something. I know a lot of people who have the spirit of wisdom but have no revelation of God. What I mean by that is they, they can quote you scripture. Man, they could out-teach me Monday through Sunday, but their lives are a train wreck. It's all head knowledge. What God is trying to do is to get you to take it literal, meaning that it's heart knowledge, that you know him intimately. Like I've been with my wife 37 years. I know her intimately. I know what she likes to eat. I know what she doesn't like. I know when that face comes on that I better back away. I know all that stuff. But I'm still learning even after 37 years, still. And that's how our relationship with God is. It's like we should be learning and seeking to learn more about God. Yes, the Word of God is important. It's something that should be in your life daily. Obedience to the Word of God, application to the Word of God. You read it, you're obedient to it, you apply it in your life. And no, it's not for your... You know, I heard one pastor share this past week, if you want revival, you draw a circle around yourself. That's where revival begins. Don't draw a circle around your wife and go, okay, now that's where revival needs to begin. That's not how that works. Revival begins with you. It begins with the person standing in the mirror. And he's wanting to, in verse 18, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. That's why we picked that song, Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord. It, it, is, it is the enlightenment, wanting to know who God is. Now, unfortunately, the word enlightened is a New Ageism word. But we need to look at it as what it means in the Greek when Paul wrote this. It means to, to bring light to something that was not clear. Like he's lighting it up. Like I'm going to show you the path. This is the way that you go. I'm going to open up the, the knowledge and wisdom of who I am. I'm shining light on it. In Psalm 119, 18 it says, Open my eyes that I may see your wondrous things from your lawn. He opens our eyes. He gives us enlightenment. We know that from Acts chapter 16, verse 14. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller, a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshiped God. But I want you to catch this. Then or, or the Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. She worshiped God, but when Paul spoke about Jesus Christ, her eyes, her heart were opened. Meaning that she understood God gave her revelation 
of who, her, who his son was, Jesus. And it's no different than when Jesus was with the disciples in Luke chapter 24, verses 45. He opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. He does that. Like, you've been given the Holy Spirit, and it's the same thing. Like, I don't understand what I'm reading, Lord. Ask God. Lord, I need you to open the understanding. i got to be able to understand this. If I'm going to apply this, Lord, I need you to help me with this. And God will do that. One of the things I, I, I pray is that, you know, as we look at that, he says, having opened the eyes of, uh, of your hearts and light, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? I love this because what, what he's trying to do is as he's opening and enlightening your heart, what he's trying to do is he's trying to get you to understand it's like there's no need for you to be in the kiddie pool anymore. Too many Christians are in the kiddie pool. Like God is calling you, like when he talked to Joshua, Joshua's got to be scared to death. He's got all these people that he has to lead. And, and the mentor just passed away. Moses is gone. But what does Jesus say? What God, God tells him, he goes, I will show you the footsteps to follow. You just got to follow me. And, and that's what we have to understand. It's like when we're walking with God, when we're understanding that he loves us, that there's mercy and grace. And we talked about those spiritual blessings, every spiritual blessings in the heavenly places last week that are there. He's wanting to know you intimately and, and, and you know him intimately. And he's saying, look, I need you to swim out to the deep water. I got some things that I'm going to call you to do. And everybody's like, no, man, I'm going to stay right here in the kiddie pool. It's safe. The waves don't get me. I don't have to worry about no jellyfish or none of that stuff. The sharks ain't out here. But that's where a lot of Christians are. Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 16, Not that I've already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it known. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way and if anything you like uh, otherwise God will reveal that also to you only let us hold true to what we have obtained we must press on we must push forward we must strain we have to and, and I love that that the upward call of God in Christ Jesus like God has a call for each person's life he has something that he's calling you to do and for whatever reason, I, I, I'm not sure why this happens. A lot of times we say, well, you've got to be serving in the church. That's something you can do, yeah. But you could serve the community. Oh, you could be a light in the community. You could be, they could go, yeah, I know. I know him or I know her. I've heard of their faith and that love that they have towards others. And you could be doing that while you're coaching a baseball team. We don't realize that. You know what the whole point of you like what church is, what I told you all last week. Like, Jesus didn't have buildings. We get so focused and enamored on, okay, well, who's got the biggest building? Well, how many people you got coming to it? I don't care. I really don't. What I care about is that you get outside the four walls of the church and you live your life in Christ. And you be a light to the people around you. 
That's what I care about. That you do it in your marriage and with your family first. That's where it begins. And then it goes out into the community. If you serve in the church, that's a bonus. Awesome. Great. We love you to have you. We would love to have you serve. That's awesome. But I also want you to be out in the community. And we need that. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11, it says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection uh, and may my, my, my share his sufferings becoming like him in his death that by any, means, uh, by any means possible I may obtain the resurrection from the dead. We can't do this by ourselves. We need the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, it says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in his weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ might rest upon me. You know, one of the things that we see is that Paul had been praying because he had that thorn in his flesh. And he's praying like, Lord, remove this, remove this. And it's like, my grace is sufficient for my power is made perfect in my weakness, in, in, in weakness. And it's like we have to, at, at some point, come to the end of ourselves. Stop relying on yourself and start trusting God. That's what he's asking you to do. It's like you, you have to understand, like, you're, it's God that enlightens us and, and opens the eyes of our hearts, enlightened. But he doesn't just enlighten it. He's saying that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. Like, God has so much more for you. The power of, of understanding, like, you, if you go, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Ask. Some of y'all are okay with not asking. You're just like, oh, I'm okay. I'll just come to church. I'll do my obligation. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, it says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find it. Knock, and it will be open to you. I love the verse because in that verse, it doesn't mean that you, you ask or you seek one time or you, you knock one time. It's, it means keep asking, right? Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. What is the call that you have for my life? Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. Don't stop. Look, I had no clue this is what God was calling me to do. Back in 2009, I had no understanding. I was just trying to figure out, Lord, save my marriage. That's where I was at. And, and the reality of it is, is God has such plans for you. And he's saying, I need you to come to the deeper water. Step out of the kiddie pool. Step out in faith. In Proverbs chapter 20, verses 27, it says, The spirit of man is a lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. What is the hope that, that God has called you for? I can tell you one thing he's called you to do in Romans chapter 8, verse 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to conform to the image of his Son. So he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son that he might be firstborn among many brethren. We are to be conformed to be like Christ. That's one of the hopes that you've been called to automatically. The moment you give your heart to, to Jesus, that's like I confess my sins, I turn to you, I believe in the resurrection. Now you need to start living for Christ, and you need to start reflecting Christ. And I don't know how to do that. Well, how about start reading about Jesus' life? That's a, that's a great start. You have to start looking at the truth of who, who Jesus is and what he did. 
Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13, it says, Till we all come to unity of the faith and, and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. Paul wants the believers to know that there are better things waiting for us at the end of the road as he talks about the, the riches and the glorious, uh, glory of his inheritance. In Romans chapter 8, verses 16 and 17, it says, The Spirit himself bear witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. In verse 19, it says, And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might? The greatness of his power. The power here that is described is, is immeasurable, is divine. And it says in verse 20 that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above rule and authority and power and dominion above everything that is named not only in this age but also in the age to come. The word power there used is dunamis in the Greek. It is, it is dynamite. And, and one way that we could share that reality is like if we put dynamite in this room, this room would not look the same, would it? That's the power. It's, it is exceedingly great power that God is entrusting us through the Holy Spirit. And working, the, the word here actually is, is the word we, we get for energy. And, and it's the Spirit that enables us to live this life for Christ. That, that, that's what the Holy Spirit does. It helps us to live this life for Christ. That God works within us. And then the word mighty is the word that means ability and force and strength. It's the power of God. It's the force and the strength that God enables things that we would think is impossible for the natural man to do. You think, well, there's no way that could happen. I don't know how that person did this. It's through the glory of God and God using that person through the power of the Holy Spirit. Who gets glorified? God. That's why God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. It's that power. And that power is, you know, when we think about that power, it, it speaks of a dominion and great power and strength. And it's that spirit of God that gives and enables us and, and so we have the power to live for God. It's, it's the power that we have to live this life daily for Christ. It's the power that we have to, to have victory over sin that God gives us. It's the same power that God gives us as we've seen death be defeated. We see power over the world and over Satan. You may look at things in the world and you go, man, this person's got way too much power. And you see things like World War III and all that stuff is being, God has the power. And that power resides in you. Because you know what can stop World War III is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what needs to go out. That's what needs to go out to our youth and our young adults, to our kids. It's the power of the gospel that changes people's lives. It's the power to serve Christ. The power to overcome addictions. The power to overcome pain and illness. The power to overcome a marriage that's struggling. A family that's hurting. It's God's power that, that fixes those things. Because you're His children. You're His heirs. You keep seeking. You keep knocking. You keep asking. Lord, I don't know where my marriage is. I need help. I need the Holy Spirit to help me. Give me power. I don't know how you're going to do this, but Lord, I want to follow you. 
You guide me. You direct me. You give me wisdom. You give me revelation. You help me. I need it. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit will show you. And remember, we talked about this, the Holy Spirit this past summer when we went over that book. And I told y'all, y'all have to be connected to the power of the Holy Spirit. You spend time in God's Word. You spend time in prayer. You spend time meditating on God's Word. You spend time in fellowship. You connect to the power of the Holy Spirit. Because when you're not, that's when drifting happens. That's when people start falling into sins. The relationships gets a divide that happens in it. But God gives you that power. And last, our last point, head over all and in all. In verses 22 and 23, it says, And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills all and in all. We get a, an example here of what we're going to be reading when we get to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23 which is for husbands as the head of the wife, also is Christ as the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is the head of the church at First Baptist. The head of the church here. It's, it's Jesus. It's his church. And we forget that. It's, it's, it's Jesus. Jesus is Lord. And he's in all. And he is all. But we see that everything is put under his feet. So even though you're dealing with the struggles of this world, and you think there's no way, it's all under God's feet. His son's under his feet. It's like it's, it's under Jesus' feet. It's not, there's nothing where God is going, well, I didn't expect that to happen. Well, I didn't think Biden would put tanks in Ukraine. He's not surprised. He put people in power. Like, like if you study in times, you would understand that Russia has to become a superpower. It's in Ezekiel. When you read about the Ezekiel Wars, Gog and Magog, and they're going to come after Israel. That is what's going to happen. And so this shouldn't surprise us. But whose power do they submit to? Jesus's. It's all been put under his feet. See, as Christians, we shouldn't be panicking and freaking out. And I see it a lot. I don't know what's going to happen. It's like we have to trust trust who Jesus is and trust that he's the head of the church and that the gates of hell will not prevail. In Psalm 8, verse 6, it says, You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands, and you put all things under his feet. All things under Christ's feet. Adam lost that headship when he sinned. But when Jesus died on the cross and defeated death it was all given to christ and it was all placed under his feet <laughs> see the thing that you need to remember is that even though you may be going through a storm and you may be in the middle of it here today and you're like i don't know how i'm getting out of this i don't know what's going to happen i'm not sure what i'm trying to learn from this lord i don't know i am just tired i'm tired of the waves beating on me and you forget it was jesus that walked on water. Under his feet was the water. He just walked onto the boat. And he'll walk to you and help you through the storm that you're going through. We have to remember that he is our all in all. There is no other. So when we're asking, like when we talk about the power of the resurrection, and we talk about that 
being given to you through the Holy Spirit. Like that power resides in you when you give your heart to Christ. The Holy Spirit takes residence in you. And what are you doing with it? Like, don't, don't hide that light under a bushel. Let that light be seen throughout. Reflect Christ. That's Paul's prayer. It's a beautiful prayer. I love it. If I was going to do application, which I think I will, the first thing I would ask you is, would, you, would people know you by your faith in Jesus Christ? Right? Would people know you by your faith in Jesus Christ? But that would they know you because you love others? Right? Like they go, man, I, man you got to meet this person. They're just dripping with love. Like they love Jesus and you just want to be around that person. You ever been around somebody like that? I have. I have. And I would pray for that guy. But he's already with the Lord. Worshiping today. He was the guy that discipled me. And he, uh, you, you go talk to anybody at Grace Calvary Chapel that's been there for a while, and you'd say the name Louis Delgado. And you'll hear him. You'll hear it. And they'll share about the love. Well, that concludes today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light Radio. We hope that you enjoyed it. If you'd like to submit a prayer request or get in contact with us to find out service times, you can do all of that at our website, uh, as well as get uh, our podcast at Spotify, Audible, TuneIn Radio, pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. Uh, you, you can just type in Sun, Salt, and Light, and you'll find it. 